I'll tell you right now, there is something about the judgment of God that gets me really fired up. Just the other day, I was jamming out down the road on the way back from Bono to some of that righteous judgment of God. Singing at the top of my lungs and playing drums on the steering wheel. Go tell that long-tongued liar. Go tell that midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter. Tell them what, that God's going to cut them down. Tell them that God's going to cut them down. In the hands of Johnny Cash, God's judgment can turn into an iconic song that sounds great with a thumping kick drum. In the hands of a preacher with ill intent, however, those same words of judgment can be used as a weapon of hate and malice against anyone that they want to push to the edges of our society. It can make for a great song, and it can make for a theology that is really hard for us to swallow. When we insist that God is love, which is at the heart of our faith, that we attribute wars and violence and natural disasters, natural disasters to God's anger, that love doesn't feel like love at all. When we start connecting love to violence, we are treading on some very, very serious ground. But that leaves us with a dilemma, namely this. A hot wind comes from me out of the bare heights in the desert toward my people. Not to winnow or cleanse a wind too strong for that. Now it is I who speak judgment against them. It's almost as if Jeremiah is saying to the people of Judea, For my people are foolish, they do not know me. Tell them that God's going to cut them down. They are stupid children, they have no understanding. Tell them that God's going to cut them down. They are skilled in doing evil, but do not know how to do good. Tell them that God's going to cut them down. Perhaps the solution to this dilemma, though, is found in the same passage in Jeremiah, where the Lord says, The whole land is desolation because I refuse to end it. The pending invasion of Babylon may have been less an act of God and more of a natural consequence for the unjust policies and alliances formed by the kingdom of Judea. God, through his mercy and love, his grace and his compassion, has imprinted upon us a blueprint for a sustainable kingdom on this earth. Now that blueprint is spelled out later in Jeremiah when he says, Do justice and righteousness, and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. And do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless and the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. Instead of viewing the prophets as oracles peering into the future, it might help to think of them more as social forecasters. They'd already seen the fall of the northern kingdom of Israel, and they were seeing the same mistakes made again in their own kingdom. Greed and lust for power were the guiding principles of the ruling class. The resident alien was no longer welcomed, 
but was enslaved. The fatherless and the widow were left to starve on the streets. The oppressed were no longer delivered from the distressed, but instead shown absolutely no mercy. The writing was on the wall for Judea. The same fate that befell Israel was on the horizon for them if they did not repent. No kingdom built on greed and hate has ever endured. This judgment in Jeremiah, the judgment in all the prophetic literature, were just calls for national repentance. Now imagine in our time where those prophetic voices might be coming from. Those who see where our current path will lead us and issue us the gravest of warnings. Perhaps they're scientists who are constantly warning us of the dangers of global climate change. Yet we continue to fail in our stewardship of this planet. We see frightening trends and rising sea levels and record-breaking heat waves. The number of catastrophic weather events continue to rise. The polarized caps continue to shrink and still we refuse to heed the warnings. Maybe the prophets of our day have been marching in the streets of Ferguson, New York, Baton Rouge, and Dallas, calling for equal justice regardless of race or the ability to buy your way into legal leniency. Our Jeremiah or our Isaiah, Isaiah may be among the Moms Demand Action Organization, a group that knows that our current culture of violence that takes thousands of loved ones every year is no way to protect the most vulnerable among us. Our prophetic voice may be stuck on the other side of our southern border, being turned away in their attempts to flee immeasurable violence in the countries from which they are leaving. Maybe that voice is standing on a dock somewhere in the Bahamas, watching what may be their last chance for food and shelter, sailing off on a half-empty transport ship. Johnny Cash reminds us, as sure as God made black and white, what is done in the dark will be brought to light. If this is true, what are we to make of our own sins that are done in broad daylight? Not only that, they become a point of pride among some that we daily flaunt before our enemies and our allies. How long can we continue to do evil before we forget how to do good? Now, regardless of where our prophetic voices are coming from, the message is clear. We, just like Israel and just like Judea, are a nation in need of repentance. This repentance is not a passive repentance. It's not just asking forgiveness for our sins. It is turning away from them and fighting for a better way forward. This act of repentance is what Paul speaks of in his letter to Timothy. He didn't just apologize for his role in the persecution of Christians. Paul became one of the biggest advocates for the church. We can't just apologize for the injustices from which we have benefited. We must be become devoted to the cause of justice. 
Now, just this past week, Virginia Theological Seminary announced that it would set aside $1.7 million to provide for the descendants of slaves who were held captive on the seminary. It doesn't undo their previous sins, but it seeks restoration and a way to make things whole again. Now all this talk of judgment might sound a little bleak, but there is good news. Because the judgment of God has never been the last word. The last word, according to Luke's gospel, was, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. No matter how far we have fallen, no matter how much damage we have done, the grace and mercy of Christ is constantly seeking us out. We are the lost coin. And God will leave no stone unturned until he holds us again in his hands. We are the lost sheep. And God will search day and night as long as it takes until we are back in the fold with the other 99. And when we are found and we finally come home, that will be a cause for celebration. So, go tell that long-tongued liar Go tell that midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter. Tell them that God's going to find them. Tell them that God's going to forgive them. And tell them that God's going to make them agents of His grace and mercy, made in the image of love, welcoming everybody we meet into the kingdom of God. Amen.